Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. You have entered Back From The Borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, we'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, We'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm so excited right now. I'm coming at you live from my new podcasting studio, aka our our bedroom upstairs. Typically, I have recorded downstairs, but there have just started to be a little too many skirmishes between my dog and cat and background noise. So I'm hoping what you're hearing is just like some super fresh, crisp audio right now. That's the goal. Um, how are you? I hope you're having a good week. How are you feeling? Like when I say that, how does that feel in your body? Something that's come up for me this week is a lot of stuff, but one of the things was hearing a podcast episode by Brooke Castillo. She has a podcast called The Life Coach School. It was one of the first podcasts I ever downloaded. I started listening to podcasts, I would say in like 2014, and she's incredible, but she talked about on an episode that I listened to recently about how often we just say, Hey, how's it going? How was your day to people? And the response to that typically is something like it was fine. It was good. And she said to start reframing things in asking ourselves and others, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about that? How are you feeling about your day? And so many of us with complex trauma and BPD, we just don't check in with our bodies very often. We don't ask ourselves, how, how are you feeling? How are you doing? 
So that's been on my heart this week and I just wanted to share it with you all. It's been a while since I've done a solo episode and I've got a couple of interviews in the hopper right now. They're recorded, they just need to be edited, but I was feeling so inspired today to just make something personal again, just to sit down with each of you. I've gotten so many amazing messages about my episodes on the hero's journey, about my episode on thoughts of dying and chronic emptiness. And ironically, those two episodes were the episodes that took me the least amount of time to put together. They were very just like from the heart. And it made me realize I need to do more of that. I need to follow my intuition and follow the feedback I'm getting. I will, of course, be doing more interviews with great people, but I will also be doing more of these over the next few months because I like just sitting down you and me. So without further ado, let's get into the topic of today's episode. It is about integrity. What does that word bring up for you when you hear the word integrity? I'm reading a book right now, and that's what this episode was inspired by. And this book is called The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self. And it's by an author named Martha Beck. And in the book, Martha says, I quote, integrity is the cure for psychological suffering, period. And that's a pretty big claim to make, right? That this one thing can cure our suffering. But as I've worked my way through the book and the things that have come up for me, I think that that's, that is a true statement. I truly believe that integrity is the cure for all of our psychological suffering as humans, and especially for those of us with BPD and complex trauma. And that, like I said, it inspired me so damn much, I decided to make an episode on this subject. So much of what makes our lives miserable as people with BPD or complex trauma is people-pleasing, staying in relationships we know we shouldn't be in, and negative habits and coping mechanisms that push people away from us, you know, all the, the BPD fun grab bag of shit that we have to deal with and CPTSD stuff, right? All of these things actually come down to one thing. It's because we are out of touch with what makes us feel whole. And that is what living out of integrity looks like. Now, for me, if you're anything like me, the moment I started like walking the path of recovery and you go to therapy and if you find yourself in a DBT skills course or even like CBT, any of these therapy therapeutic modalities that kind of like throw skills at you. They're great. Don't get me wrong. But if you're like me, you can feel a little overwhelmed by that. Like, how am I supposed to remember like this fucking acronym, dear man, when I'm like losing my shit, right? (laughs) So while it's really important that we learn and know these skills, something like integrity, these core concepts, these core values are what help like heal the wounds inside of us. So in the book, Martha references a lot, (laughs) another book that was written in 
the 13th century by Dante Alighieri. Yes, 13th century, like the year 1320 to be specific. Old as fuck book, right? And you may have heard of this book. It's called The Divine Comedy. And if you're not familiar with the actual um, title, The Divine Comedy, it's like following Dante through the inferno, right? The circles of hell. This is a really, it's obviously a very old book and you will, a lot of references are very common in society today to this book, but the divine comedy follows the classic hero's journey framework to break down the process of attaining personal integrity. And as you know, everyone that is a long-term listener of this podcast knows how much the hero's journey concept completely changed my life and it's changed the lives of so many of you listeners because as i said before that episode has without question prompted the most feedback from any of you listeners that out of any of them that i've dropped so if you haven't listened to that episode yet i recommend that you go back to episode 20 where i do a deep dive on the hero's journey concept and listen to that because you're going to love it. So as I said, this book that Martha Beck in the book I'm reading, The Divine Comedy, this old ass book is just another framework breaking down the hero's journey concept. And I realized as I've been meditating on the subject of integrity, how much of my life I've been living with zero integrity and also with zero awareness of what the concept truly was, what it meant to me, and how to incorporate it in my life. And if while we go through this episode, you are filled with thoughts of shame and being like, wow, I have no integrity, give yourself some compassion. I had to do that for myself too. And I'm right there with you. I had no integrity for like the vast majority of my life. And that is what has caused I would say all of my psychological suffering. So my hope is, is that with you and me sitting down together today as friends, you are safe with me. You're not judged by me. And I've gone through so much of what you've gone through. We can heal together and knowledge is power, right? You becoming aware of the fact that, Hey, I have literally (laughs) zero integrity right now. Okay. All those times that you've lived out of integrity are gone now. All you have right now is here, this moment. And I'm about to just drop some amazing knowledge on you. And we're going to sit here for as long as possible. I have no idea how long this episode is going to be, how long we're going to be sitting here. But I just have, again, one of these like spidey sense feelings inside my soul that so many of you need to hear this that it's going to touch so many of you. And so I'm doing another thing. Like I'm trusting my intuition as I sit down to record this for you. So as I said, if it comes up, if shit comes up for you and you start feeling like, Oh my God, I'm a horrible person. I have no integrity. That's okay. Me either. (laughs) I spent so much of my life with zero integrity either, but I realized that through this last three years, three years of really working on myself, I've naturally, 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 sorry about that. I've naturally been living more in my integrity without even being aware of it. And as I'm reading this book, like I'm going, Oh, some of the things that I've been doing in my recovery journey, while I was thinking there was something else, they were actually just me living more in in integrity. And that's been 
the game changer, right? And the hero's journey concept is basically just living in integrity. And the end goal of all therapy is integration. Remember, we've talked about this on another episode. There's no coincidence that integration, integrity, why do you think that every single therapist and psychiatrist, their end goal with working with all of us with mental health issues is integration. That means they're trying to help us live in integrity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through what that is. We're going to talk about what it might look like when we're living out of integrity, what it might look like when we are living in integrity. And this knowledge is power, my friend. Once you're aware of it, that's when you'll be able to start going, spotting these times in your life, seeing the pattern, zooming out and going, oh, that's what's keeping me stuck. And it's what I've talked to you all about many, many times before, which is these moments, these aha moments, these I am the problem moments are actually really empowering because you can change the next moment. You are not a static person. You do not have a disordered personality. I don't believe that. Every single human is capable of change. Okay? So I thought the perfect way to start this episode off is to read you an excerpt from this book that I'm reading, The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. And she actually shared this excerpt on Oprah's website. So I know that I'm not like committing into any type of like, (laughs) um, I don't know, fraud or something or, uh, issues by reading it on my podcast because she has shared this excerpt willingly online and I encourage all of you to go buy her book because it's incredible and it also has like little writing prompts for you to work through. So while I'm going through this and reading this excerpt, I thank her for making it available online for me to be even be able to read it to you. And also I encourage you to go and buy the book and I'll link it in the podcast description. So let's just read this first little excerpt by Martha Beck. Even if you're not a frequent flyer, this has probably happened to you. The plane is fully boarded. Everyone's laptops are stowed. The flight attendants have done their mandatory dance about the seatbelts and the floor lights and the oxygen masks that will not inflate. Then, just as you expect to roll away from the gate, everything stops. The captain's sheepish voice crackles through the cabin. Sorry, folks, we have a slight malfunction, probably just a glitch, but we need to call some mechanics to check. We're looking at a bit of a wait. A ripple of woe runs through the passengers, and your heart sinks. How long will you be trapped in this uncomfortable seat between a man who reeks of cheap cologne and a fretfully teething baby before the plane finally flies? But after this initial burst of dismay, everyone heaves a sigh and settles in. You all approve of the crew's caution. You're about to travel miles above the Earth's surface in this mighty machine, Not one, not even the baby, wants the plane taking off if it's not in perfect structural integrity. My book, The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self, as you may have gleaned from the title, is all about integrity. But I don't mean this in a moralizing sense. The word integrity has taken on a slightly prim, judgmental nuance in modern English, but the word comes from the Latin word integer, which simply means intact. To be in integrity is to be one thing, 
whole and undivided. When a plane is in integrity, all its millions of parts work together smoothly and cooperatively. If it loses integrity, it may stall, falter, or crash. There's no judgment here, just physics. As above in aerodynamics, so below in our everyday lives. When you experience a unity of intention, fascination, and purpose, you live like a bloodhound on a scent, joyfully doing what feels truest in each moment. Your daily work, whether it's writing computer code, gardening, or building houses, is so absorbing that at the end of the day, you don't really want to stop. But when you do, you enjoy hanging out with loved ones so much and sleep is so delicious that you can't imagine anything sweeter. And when you wake up the next morning, the day ahead seems so enticing you practically bound out of bed. If you're like many of the people I've coached, you may be rolling your eyes right now. It may sound like I'm wearing rose-colored glasses and munching antidepressants like jelly beans. You may never have felt the sustained lust for life I'm describing. You may not believe that such a fulfilling life is even possible. It is. Tragically, many people go their whole lives without ever learning this, never experiencing the joyful ease that comes with full integrity. Some of these folks are massively misaligned. Their lives an endless string of failures and crushed dreams. You may know a few. The friend from high school who keeps landing himself in prison. The cousin who marries one unfaithful scumbag after another. The colleague who seems to sabotage every project she undertakes. These folks are like airplanes whose major components, like wings and engines, are out of whack. Your own life is probably somewhere between utterly blissful and completely wrecked. You have a vague sense of purpose, which you hope to follow someday. Though your job isn't perfect, it's good enough, and your relationships are fine, mostly. Yes, there are times when someone, your spouse, kids, your parents, boss, makes you want to fake your own death and move to a hotel in the Cayman Islands. But honestly, it's fine. You don't feel bad, just vaguely anxious, uncomfortable, and disappointed. And it's perfectly normal that your mind tends to linger on regrets about plans that didn't work out and doubts that your dreams will ever come true. When I meet clients who fit this description and suggest that their lives could be better, they often protest that they're doing fine. Just fine. Look, they say, life is a bitch and then we die. Failure is much more common than success. We can't just flap our arms and fly. They think they're simply accepting the bitter truth. But what I hear is the clank of stray bolts and loose parts, the sound of a human who has never experienced complete alignment of mind, body, heart, and soul. Again, this isn't a moral judgment. If you don't always feel wonderful, it doesn't mean that you're faulty or bad. In fact, I bet that you've spent your entire life trying to be good. And there's nothing defective about you. You're a highly functional, sophisticated creature. At the deepest level, you know what makes you happy and how to create your best possible life. That knowledge is coded into your very nature, but your nature is forever colliding with a force that can tear it apart. Culture. By culture, I don't mean opera or surrealist painting. I'm talking about any set of social standards that shapes the way people think and act. 
Every group of humans, from couples to families to cell blocks to sewing circles to armies, has a cultural rules and expectations that help them cooperate. Some of these are explicit, like traffic laws or workplace dress codes, but others are implicit, like the assumption that when you go to a nice restaurant for dinner, you'll use silverware instead of plunging your face directly into your food like a truffle pig. Humans create elaborate cultures because we're intensely social beings, dependent on the goodwill of others from the moment we're born. We have an enormous capacity to absorb and replicate the behavior of people around us. From childhood, often without even noticing it, we learn exactly how to win approval and belonging in our particular cultural context. We act bubbly, quiet, or brave to please our families. We immediately begin to like whatever our friends say they like. We throw ourselves into schoolwork, babysitting, family feuds, whatever we believe will assure our place in the human world. In this rush to conform, we often end up ignoring or overruling our genuine feelings, even intense ones like longing or anguish, to please our cultures. At that point, we're divided against ourselves. We're split. We aren't in integrity, one thing but we are in duplicity, two things. We may try to fit in with a number of different groups, living in multiplicity, many, many things. We abandon our true nature and become pawns of our culture, smiling politely, sitting attentively, wearing the perfect uncomfortable clothes. This is why a soldier will march into gunfire without complaint. It's why whole communities once thought it made sense to burn a few witches here and there. The extent to which people will defy nature to serve culture can be truly horrifying. But the whole thing works very well from the perspective of creating and sustaining human groups. There's just one catch. Nature does not give up without a fight. If you've ever found yourself snapping at someone you love or sitting down to complete a work project only to spend five hours shopping for home tattoo kits online, it's probably because you're internally divided. You're trying to act in ways that don't feel right to you at the deepest core level. Whenever we do this, our lives begin to go pear-shaped. Emotionally, we feel grumpy, sad, numb, or empty. Physically, our immune systems and muscles weaken. We might get sick, and even if we don't, our energy flattens. Mentally, we lose focus and clarity. This is how it feels to be out of integrity. All these inner reactions affect our core outer lives. Since we can't concentrate, our work suffers. Irritability and gloominess make us bad company, weakening our relationships. Everything in and around us is negatively affected when we lose integrity. And because our true nature is serious about restoring us to wholeness, it hauls out the one tool that reliably gets our attention. Suffering. Personally, I don't enjoy suffering. It hurts me. If you're into it, I don't judge you. But I do want to make one crucial point. Suffering is different from pain. At least in my lexicon. I once saw a sign in a medical clinic that read, Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Physical pain comes from events. Psychological suffering comes from the way we deal with those events. It can grow exponentially in situations where pain is entirely absent. 
Even when you're curled up in a comfortable chair, suffering can make you wish you've never been born. I know because I spent years and years right up in it. This is what led me to an obsessive decades-long quest to find my way to happiness. And all these experiences, from my most intimate private encounters to my most diligent formal research, gradually coalesce to reveal one simple truth. Integrity is the cure for unhappiness. Period. All of the strategies and skills I've ever learned, the ones that actually work, are those that help people see where they've abandoned their own deep sense of truth and followed some other set of directives. This split from integrity is almost always unconscious. The people I know who experience it aren't wicked. In fact, most of them are perfectly lovely. They strive to cooperate with every rule for living they've learned from their respective cultures, which is a terrific way to run your life if you like to look good and feel bad. But there's another way, one that will lead you out of suffering and into levels of joy and purpose you may not realize are possible. I call it the way of integrity. The way of integrity is meant to guide and accompany you along that way. Wherever you may be and however you may feel right now, the way of integrity will take you from this very spot to a life filled with meaning, enchantment, and fascination. I've helped hundreds of people experience this. I've also lived the whole process myself, and believe me, I was not an easy case. But after all that misery, the way of integrity took even me to a life that feels ridiculously blessed. This is not because I'm anything special. It's just because I know the way. The word way can either mean a process or a path. In my book, it means both. If you don't know what to do next, the way of integrity will provide instructions, like a recipe. If you don't know where to go next, the way of integrity will show you the next step, like a map. If you follow the directions, you'll end up happy. Not because this path is virtuous, but because it aligns with reality, with truth. Your life will work for the same reason a well-built plane will fly. Not a reward for good behavior, just physics. So if you're ready to abandon suffering, embrace your true nature, and experience the joy you know you're meant to feel, let's begin. What, may you ask, does the way of integrity actually look like? I'll tell you. It looks like an epic medieval Italian fantasy adventure quest. Stay with me, I'll explain. Throughout my career and writer as a coach, I have repeatedly, zestfully, and unapologetically filched ideas from the Divine Comedy, written by Dante Alighieri in the early 1300s. This is not because I'm any sort of Dante scholar. I never took a course in Dante, can't speak Italian, don't know much about medieval history. As a young adult, I read the Divine Comedy for the only reason I read anything back then. I was looking for wisdom about how to feel better, and I found it. Dante's masterpiece is quite simply the most powerful set of instructions I know for healing our psychological wounds, restoring us to integrity, and maximizing our capacity to feel good. The Divine Comedy takes us through the whole process, step by step. Yes, it's all framed as a story about one man having a mystical adventure. 
Yes, that man uses the imagery of a 14th century European, but the psychological metaphors in Dante's epic still ring true today. They still show us the way. Plus, they're entertaining. Don't think that Dante is some pontificating drone. He's not. He's just a writer standing in front of a reader, asking you to follow him out of misery and into happiness. In my book, I'll walk you through a way of integrity built around the framework Dante let out in the Divine Comedy. You can take it slowly and gently or go at it like an Olympic sprinter, whatever pace works for you. But however you decide to travel, you'll be passing through four stages. Just to give you a lay of the land, here's a summary of what you can expect. Your quest for integrity will begin in the dark wood of error, a place where we feel lost, exhausted, troubled, and unsure. This is Dante's metaphor for the misalignment in which most of us live. In some ways, possibly always, we feel that our lives aren't always what they're meant to be. We don't know how we ended up so off course or how to find our way out of confusion. Don't worry, we will. Our next stage is Dante's famous inferno. Passing through it, we will find the parts of you that are suffering, the parts trapped in your inner hell, and set them free. The chisel you'll use to break your own chains is your sense of truth. You'll see that psychological suffering always comes from internal splits between what your encultured mind believes and what you feel is deeply true to you. The way of integrity will help you heal these splits. You'll start to experience more wholeness than ever before. The relief most likely will be tangible and immediate. Once your inner life begins to heal, it's onto a form of Dante's purgatory. This word simply means cleansing. I like to go on integrity cleanses, by which I don't mean cleansing away integrity, but cleansing away everything else but integrity. In this stage of your quest, you'll shift your internal behavior to match your newfound inner truth. The further you go, the easier this becomes. Finally, as your inner and outer lives approach complete integrity, you'll find yourself in metaphorical paradise. There's no more work to do here. In the Divine Comedy, Dante goes down into a huge pit, the Inferno, then up a mountain, Purgatory. He grows stronger and walks with less and less effort as he reaches the mountain's summit, and then to his amazement, he finds himself rising up, flying. That's what happens when the misaligned parts of human life come into integrity. Dante uses flight as a metaphor for a life that feels unlimited, literally heavenly. Whenever I travel by air, no matter what problems and delays may occur, I'm astonished at the moment the plane takes off. It blows my mind that this huge machine can throw itself into the air and keep going, safe and sound, for thousands of miles. I feel the same way when I watch people come into integrity and take flight in their own unique ways, finding purpose, love, and success. Every day, I'm stunned to realize that it worked for me, too. It all feels like a dazzling, impossible miracle, but it's not. It's just physics. So there you have it, a short excerpt of Martha's book. As I said before, highly recommend that if you can, getting it, if it resonated with you, it's something that I have found so validating and healing at this stage of my journey. And it was the perfect way to tee up this episode all about integrity. It also brings into the fore me thinking about how often I lived out of integrity in my life. And you may be feeling that same way too. 
as you're listening to this. And as I said before, that's okay. And especially with BPD, but this is not exclusive to BPD. So many of us are split and you heard her bring that up so many times. And that's why this book, it's like on Oprah's book club list. But I was like, wow, I don't know if Martha Beck knew that she's like writing something to like the BPD soul right now, because integration is so important for those of us with BPD and complex trauma, because as you know, splitting is a serious issue. And that I think is the core of it. We have to integrate these things. We have to become whole. So many of us are split in two or more pieces. And this is what is causing the vast majority of the struggles in our life. As we explore the concept of integrity, I think it's important to ask ourselves how and why we compromise our integrity. And it's really helpful to visualize this through the lens of internal family systems therapy. Now, if there are any psychology nerds out there like me, (laughs) um, you'll know about this. But if you don't, IFS or internal family systems is super incredibly insightful and helpful framework to understand for people with BPD and complex trauma. Now, Maybe the most important thing that we possess is our integrity. It is our word of honor. It's what makes us honorable. Except at one time or another, we have absolutely violated this trustworthy and sacred part of ourselves. All of us have done it. And whether it's just to ourselves, that's like that we can we can lie to ourselves or others, we have to ask ourselves, what is that from deep within compels us to go back on our word and live out of integrity? Now, it's important to realize that like, this is not just you doing this, right? This is a very common thing. And it's also important to know that we shouldn't be hard on ourselves when this self-violation occurs. And self-violation is basically asking ourselves, what part of me compelled me to do that? Was that really me who cheated on my partner, who told that lie, for example? So these types of things shouldn't lead us to self-shaming or self-contempt. It should be a perfect time for us to bring up our self-compassion. So we already talked a little bit about how the word integrity and the psychological concept of integration are pretty intimate related because if the different parts of yourself, because we all have different parts through the lens of internal family systems, each of these different parts, if they aren't well integrated, it may be impossible in many situations to keep our integrity intact. So The best way to understand how our integrity relates to our level of integration is to look at literally just the dictionary.com definition of the word is integrity. A is an adherence to moral and ethical principles. And then the other definition is the state of being whole, entire, or undiminished. If we're just looking at those two definitions, it kind of sounds like they contrast but complement each other, but it implies that in order for us to be virtuous, honest, 
or have moral rectitude. One needs to be whole, which is basically another way to say unified. Or in the world of psychology, which is the preferred term here on this episode, integrated. An easy way to look at this is that integrated, something being whole, it basically means that all the different parts that make up that thing or ourselves, as we're looking at in this example, are balanced and they relate to each other and it all is talking to each other, moving along, it makes perfect sense, it's working in harmony. Which is why in psychology and in human terms, personal integrity depends pretty much on the individuals being integrated. If we're true to ourselves and others, we need to get different parts of ourselves to collaborate or work together. But let's first talk a little bit about internal family systems therapy and how this all ties together. So internal family systems therapy is a really well-respected treatment modality. Some of you may have heard of it in your own recovery journey so far. It was created by Richard Schwartz in the 80s. So it's relatively new in comparison to other psychological modalities and increasingly prominent in the therapy world today. Internal family systems therapists believe that families and all individuals are made up of different parts. And when these parts are in conflict with one another or they're extreme, they're functioning either to protect the individual from experiencing intolerable emotional pain. And he called these people managers, Schwartz did, he termed these uh, these individuals managers. Or if the pain has already been aroused, quote unquote, to put it out. And Schwartz referred to these reactive people in the internal family system as firefighters. So not only did Schwartz believe that families had different individuals that played these different roles, he also believed that inside of ourselves, we have managers within our parts of us that are managers, aka parts of us ourselves that are constantly um, trying to protect ourselves from re-experiencing like horrible emotional pain. And Then we also have within ourselves little firefighter parts of ourselves, which is to like, hurry, get rid of the pain, if that makes sense. So, so sadly, the result of having all of these different self-protective parts desperately trying to escape this unresolved emotional suffering is frequently some sort of psychological dysfunction. So... Basically, mood, anxiety, personality disorders, eating disorders, to psychological disturbances, all sorts of compulsive and addictive behaviors. When all these different parts of ourselves are working against one another, it's like having an orchestra inside of you who members of the orchestra aren't playing all together. And if they're not, that is not going to sound... (laughs) like beautiful music, it's going to sound horrifying. Schwartz used this example to describe how when we are living out of integrity, when all of these different parts of ourselves are fighting with one another and fighting against each other and not playing in harmony, he says that in this orchestra metaphor that when these different parts of ourselves are playing like an orchestra is that the conductor or the orchestra's leader um, 
or what he defines as the ego self is absent. So when all these different parts of ourselves are not working in harmony and are playing all their own fucking different types of music, there's nobody at the head of the table or at the head of the orchestra with the conductor wand, is it a wand, (laughs) calling the shots, which is exactly why so many of us with BPD or complex trauma feel like we are just so split and we don't know really who we are because there's no one conducting our inner orchestra. Does that make sense? So if we're continuing with this metaphor, the goal of therapy is to locate our inner conductor so that they can step up into the role of conducting our inner symphony. Because right now, if we are living out of integrity and all of our different parts are playing a different damn song, no wonder our lives feel so freaking miserable. Now, Schwartz basically said that these managers and firefighter parts of ourselves are there to protect these parts that he calls exiles, which are our most vulnerable, deeply wounded parts that have yet to be healed. And these are the parts that both the managers and the firefighters are keeping buried. And these exiled parts of ourselves are buried mainly because the firefighter and protector parts of ourselves are so terrified that if these exiled parts of ourselves are seen, that our system will be completely overwhelmed with traumatic feelings like guilt, shame, panic, terror, rage, and despair. So let's talk about an example, and it's it's kind of an extreme example. There are other less extreme examples of this, of how an individual's protective, non-integrated parts can make it almost impossible for someone to uphold their personal integrity. Let's say you were brought up in a home with an alcoholic father who would get super rage-filled and throw things and terrify your whole family when he was drunk. And then you had a codependent mom who was totally preoccupied and obsessed with your dad's drinking. In this type of family, Neither parent could possibly be there for you to adequately respond to your thoughts and feelings and your needs and desires. So growing up in such conditions would have affected you in various ways, and none of those (laughs) effects led to you feeling safe, loved, or secure. So you would likely have ended up with many adverse feelings and thoughts about yourself such as feeling unimportant because you weren't felt recognized or given enough time and attention. You may have felt inadequate because you were frequently criticized. You may have felt lonely because of not feeling understood or sufficiently bonded to your parents. I know this was the case for me. I felt so misunderstood. And I, I never really grew up feeling like I had a strong bond with my parents. I knew they loved me, but the ways that they acted were so confusing that it made it really hard for me to bond with them. So you also may have felt powerless because however negatively you viewed the situation, you could do nothing to change it, right? You were a child. You, there was nothing you could do. You just had to stay in this home. You may have felt in danger or unsafe because of your dad's anger flare-ups 
they were unpredictable and the anxiety that came up because of that was simply just a way to prepare yourself for those anger flare-ups from your dad's drinking that you were never ready for. You also may have felt shameful because after all, you belonged to this alcoholic family. Like that was your family. You maybe were embarrassed that this was your family. You may also have felt worthless because of feeling ignored or not feeling appreciated or valued. If you weren't valued by your family, of course you will feel worthless. And if the people that made you don't treat you like you are of value, how in the hell are you supposed to feel valued by anyone else? Really think about that right now. If you're feeling worthless and you feel shame about feeling worthless, give you, cut yourself some slack. If you never were treated by your family or had a good example of someone valuing themselves, of course you feel this way. So in this example that we're talking about with this alcoholic father and this distant mother, these another feeling that would have come up is that you felt uncared about because you couldn't experience your parents being devoted to you. And the other feeling that would come up is distrust and anger, like a strong and deep-seated anger. And this is because a part of yourself felt that all of these feelings are so deeply unfair. And it's likely that this deep, strong distrust and anger felt much too dangerous for you to express because think about it. Even if you didn't grow up with an alcoholic dad, for me, my dad wasn't physically abusive, but if I expressed my distrust and anger, I learned really quickly that that would get me rejected by my family, screamed at, put in my room, told by my mom that I was causing problems, right? And so it's no surprise that so many of us lock this, these deep, angry, distrustful parts of ourselves away because we learned as children that it was not safe to express these feelings. So at this point, you might be asking like, what does this have to do with integrity? (laughs) Think about ourselves as children and know that none of us as children can emotionally survive if we are constantly focused on one or more of these stressful feeling and belief states that we just went through of all these feelings of unimportance, inadequacy, loneliness, powerlessness, danger, unsafe, shameful, worthless, uncared about, anger, distrust. Do you see what I'm saying? That is too much for a little child to bear. And so instinctively and protectively, different parts of our personality change or adapt to this ongoing abuse and neglect by taking on various protective roles. So when we talk about BPD, for example, or CPTSD, I constantly go back to the refrain that these are behaviors that you learned as a child that kept you safe, that protected you, that became maladaptive or harmful or toxic in adulthood. But these things, these parts of you, these ways that you behaved, now that are maybe destroying your life or causing you a lot of psychological distress these are things that protected you because as a child you could not comprehend or or feel all of those feelings that we just described it was too much so as i said before those parts of you 
shut down, and they took on protective roles. And this is a protective gesture because when we're young, we're vulnerable. We rely on our caretakers to keep us alive. So it's not safe for us to feel those feelings. And these protective defenses that we learn as children that become our BPD and CPTSD behaviors, they actually end up holding captive our true self, which is why we struggle with identity so much. Because these exiled parts of ourselves that were pushed so far down are causing a split in our personality. So there's no surprise there of why it's so hard for us to know who we are or what we believe in. And the reason why we feel this way is because our integrity or our wholeness can only come from our integrated self. And that self has to harmoniously combined and not be sabotaged by its all of its different parts. Integration and living in integrity means that we have to learn as people with complex trauma to be centered in the self. And it means that all of our different parts need to be led by the self or our inner orchestra conductor, right? And that's what people mean by living in the seat of your consciousness. You may have heard that. The seed of our consciousness is the very essence of you, and that is what makes up your moral and ethical core. If we find the seat of our consciousness, if we find our inner conductor, that is when we no longer feel like we have no sense of self, like that BPD symptom, right? Where they feel like, who am I? I hope that I'm breaking this down in a way that's easy enough to understand. You may have to listen to this episode multiple times. These are complex concepts and it's a lot of what our mental health professionals are thinking about when they're treating us, but I've found that in my pursuit for mental health care, there's been not a lot of providers that break this stuff down for me and it's learning about these things that actually started making the skills of DBT and all those other things actually start to make sense and work for me. And so I'm hoping that explaining this all to you is going to help that for you. As I've worked on these things, I'm actually starting to feel what it feels like to be the observer. I'm starting to be in more in touch with my inner conductor. For example, when my partner is gone and he doesn't respond to my text right away, I can identify like that abandoned, worthless little part of myself that's saying, hey, text him a million times. Like you need to find out, wow, he doesn't love you. My inner conductor is the part of me that says, I hear you and I I know you're scared, but I'm not a child anymore. I'm here to protect myself He's my partner's going to be back soon. There's no need to text him a million times. He's having his personal time. And let's do something that makes us happy. And that's me talking to my my little wounded, abandoned part of myself. Let's take a bath. Let's go on a walk. Right? That's what it looks like in practice of taking the seat of your higher awareness, putting your ego self, your conductor back in charge, and not letting these disowned 
fragmented, out of integrity parts of ourselves run the show, right? It takes that orchestra from sounding like a hot ass mess, every instrument playing out of tune in a different song to playing in harmony. When my inner conductor soothes that part of myself when Zaz is gone and isn't texting me back right away, my inner orchestra is playing in tune because that part of me, it was heard, that that abandoned, scared part of me that wants to text Zaz a million times and get that validation, it it's soothed. It doesn't need to play out of tune anymore because I've acknowledged it, I've heard it, and I decide to self-soothe instead of letting one of my self-sabotaging behaviors run the show and letting that angry, upset, abandoned inner part of me run my life. And then what would happen if I let that part of me win without letting my inner conductor run the show? Let's explore that avenue, what that would look like. That would look like me, my that little inner part of me, saying you need to text him he hasn't texted you back my inner conductor is not online and i'm just going and i'm just identifying with that wounded inner part of me and so what do i do i text as five million times where are you where are you call him five times and then he doesn't pick up then and he calls me five minutes later i'm like you never answer my texts then a fight is happening right then Zaz feels like he can't even have his 30-minute drive that he's taking or going to visit a friend without me making him feel like hypervigilant and claustrophobic to him, right? But he answered my text, and so that little abandoned part of me like knows he's alive, but then I've got a whole fight on my hands, right? So do you see what I'm saying? It's important to acknowledge those hurt disowned part of our parts of ourselves because when we hear them and acknowledge them and we take the seat of our higher awareness and identify with that inner conductor we then have the power to choose something different we now remember we're not forgetting that little part of us we're actually hearing it talking to it soothing it and saying i'm going to choose a different reaction this time because I know how this plays out if I call Zaz a million times, if I text him a million times, if when he answers me, I go into like my abandoned, like pissed off state. I know how that plays out. I want to say it's okay, abandoned, scared part of me. You feel that way because of stuff that happened in your childhood, but right now you're safe and you don't want to play this out because it's only going to cause problems. So soothe it, hear it, acknowledge it, take the seat of your higher awareness, bring that inner conductor online, and choose something different. Now, Schwartz, our internal family systems guru, (laughs) he says that our true selves and this inner conductor, that once we're in touch with them, this part of ourselves, every single human, I'm talking about you, you listening, every person, your uncle, even your dad, even your abusive dad, even your alcoholic mother, the core of each and every one of us, this core conductor, this inner self naturally displays the qualities of calmness, curiosity, compassion, connectedness, competence, creativity, courage, and clarity. 
lots of C words <laughs> and all good C words, not the bad C word. You may be like, I am, I am the opposite of calm, curious, compassion, connected, confident, creative, courage, and clarity, right? No, none of those are me. Yes. Inside of you, that inner conductor, that's who you truly are inside. The reason why your life reflects something different is because you're not tuned in to that inner conductor and it's in every single person that's listening to this episode. It's in you. So in my example with texting Zaz, when I choose to identify with my conductor and I'm trying to do this every day in my life, folks, but I, and I, and do I fall off? Yeah. Sometimes one of my abandoned parts runs the show and then it plays out just like it always does, which is just like a hot ass mess. But when I do catch myself and acknowledge those disowned parts, feel those feelings, choose a different reaction. I always end up feeling all of those C words, the good C words, calm, curious, compassionate, connected, confident. When Zaz comes home and I've chosen to not act on like freak out texting him and stuff, He's excited to see me when he comes home. He's like, hey, he feels refreshed because he got to go on his him time. He got to take Zaz time. And when he gets back, he's happy to see me because he feels refreshed. And I feel happy that I've t- and empowered that I've chosen a different reaction. And it's my hope that like all of you listening, you can feel that same empowerment that I'm experiencing. This is what recovery looks like. This is it. This is the work. And this is the story that plays out in generational trauma. And this is if you have had emotionally, physically abusive, if your parents were abusive, it's helpful to look at them through this lens too. Some, some abuses really can seem unforgivable and I understand that, but it's still helpful to view our parents, our abusers as these flawed people with various hurt parts of themselves. They aren't in touch with their inner conductor and they may never be. And that's something that we have to get okay with. We have to realize that. But what we can do is start to become in touch with our inner conductors. And that will allow us to realize that we're no longer children stuck in that loop and unprotected And it allows us to grow into more forgiving, empathetic, grateful, and loving people. And those parts of you have always been there, right? They just were overwhelmed and scared to come out because they, there was no space for them to come out when you were a child. If you think about it, you know, maybe you had times where you showed amazing expressions of joy and excitement and you were told stop being so dramatic be quiet go away right that's how these parts of ourselves go offline to protect themselves but don't let those disowned parts and disintegrated caregivers continue to affect you like this in your adulthood it's important for us to see our parents as just people who have lost touch with their inner conductors And it's likely that they didn't even intend to cause the harm that they did. If you're a parent right now listening and you have a child with BPD or 
maybe you have BPD and you're a parent and you're trying to reconcile maybe, you know, the things that you've done and the ways that you've treated your own children and you're full of shame, right? These are just examples of being disconnected with that inner conductor. And all you have is your ability to think about what you can do about that now. You were unaware before and you're aware now. What are you going to do with this information? Offer yourself some compassion because all of this compromising of your true self when you were young, all of these amazing parts of you that are forgiving, empathetic, connected, all of those beautiful C words that we talked about too, right? All of those parts of yourself became almost like managed out of existence to protect you from the neglectful and abusive home you may have grown up in, right? And remember that these can be big T traumas, like really awful physical abuse, um, family members being in prison, you know, drug abuse, all of these things, or they can just be examples like you've heard me give on previous episodes where it's just chronic emotional neglect. And in the majority of these instances, you know, this type of abuse that we may have suffered was likely not intended. Our caretakers weren't actually motivated to act harmfully toward us or interfere with our integration, with our development process, right? They weren't aware. And so regardless of that, even if there was no ill intent, we still, as children, felt like we had to hide parts of who we were to better fit in with this dysfunctional family system. It was protective. It was adaptive at the time. That's the key word. Our bodies were just doing what bodies do. They were protecting us. It's actually pretty incredible that the human body can do that. But this sacrificing who we actually were to fit in with our dysfunctional family systems is why we find ourselves with mental health issues like BPD and CPTSD. So to tie it all together, you know, being our true selves, it requires that our self be whole and integrated and that our inner conductor has control over all of these other wounded parts. But when these wounded parts of ourself become extreme and frozen in childhood, any of our exiled parts threatening to surface like that deep inner boiling anger, it propels these rejected parts into action to take over our thoughts and behaviors. And that is what periodically sabotages our personal integrity. It's like the example of the texting Zaz thing, right? I can be sitting here calm, cool, and collected, but the moment that Zaz doesn't answer my text, I have that little niggling part inside of me that's going like, you need to text him, you need to text him, he doesn't love you, he's ignoring you, he's probably out cheating on you, you know, all of these things that are not true, and I know are not true, that is a moment where I am out of my personal integrity, I'm not identified with my inner conductor, and when we're out of integrity, when we are not identified with that inner conductor and those neglected, angry, abandoned parts of ourselves are running the show, 
we are not able to come from our true self, but only from protective parts that have actually never really grown up. So we still feel compelled to react. And this is to like all protect that inner child. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope this is all making sense to you because when I learned this stuff, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. I get it. I hope you're thinking now, think about how much of your life you've lived not as your conductor, as that inner loving, kind, calm part of yourself that deep down you're listening, you know who that's, who you truly are. How often do you think back on things that you've done and have like that fucking cringe factor? Cause I do too, where I think about stuff that I've done in the past and I'm like, if I wasn't dissociated for the entire time, which I'm so glad that I dissociated for probably like 10 years of my life and I actually blank, people will tell me, friends will tell me things like, do you remember when you did this? And I'm like, no. And when I say, I actually don't remember, I actually don't remember. I was so disconnected from my inner conductor that I either dissociated so much that I don't remember all of these wild years that I had or I remember it and I cringe because I go, that's not, that's not who I am. And if you're listening and you resonate with that, you're like, wow, when I think back on this thing I did, X, Y, Z thing I did, that's not who I truly am. It's because that's not who you truly are. It was one of your wounded, exiled parts that's running the show and you are out of integrity. You are not identified with that inner conductor. And as adults, all of our overreactions, and we all overreact at times, but for those of us with complex trauma, and if you're anything like me, I overreact a lot of the time. I make a mountain out of a molehill. I definitely do sweat the small stuff and it causes me a lot of anguish. We overreact as adults because we're not just reacting to some in the moment thing, right? I'm not just reacting to Zaz not texting me back, but I'm reacting to much older threats that the not text back is reminding me of right? And these abandoned, worthless little inner parts of ourselves, they carry a really big emotional charge. And this is what it means to be triggered, right? In these types of situations, our best judgment, which belongs to our non-reactive self versus our super reactive parts, it's not online. Our best judgment is offline in those moments. When we're triggered, for example, when Zaz is not texting me back, I'm triggered. Worthless, abandoned, hurt self Molly that needs validation right now and ignores all Zaz's needs for his own personal calm time, not being abused by multiple texts. My higher self, my inner conductor is offline. She is not available. And in that moment, my emotional equilibrium is undermined. It no longer exists and I am out of integrity. So let's talk about some situations where we might be violating our integrity because these younger part protective parts of ourself, which by the way, are they're acting in what they think are our best interest. For example, that part of myself, when Zaz isn't texting me back, it's going 
I'm protecting you, Molly. He doesn't love you. You need to get a text from him right now, right? It's not like they are consciously trying to sabotage us. Just like I wasn't consciously trying to fuck Zaz Day up by texting him a million times, right? To soothe that part of myself. It's subconscious. We aren't aware that it's happening, which of course, it's no surprise when we're doing stuff and we're not aware when we're doing it, it's no surprise that that stuff doesn't really work out how we hoped because we're not consciously present when any of it's happening, right? So back to the next example of when these younger parts might be preventing us from being in touch with our inner conductor and making us act out of integrity. Let's say your partner offers you a practical suggestion about something you're working on and then you suddenly go just like ballistic on them telling them to mind their own business, that they're always trying to control you, and then harshly criticizing your partner for whatever you can think of. You just say some really fucked up shit to them. And then afterwards, you probably think like, oh my God, that what was I thinking? But rem- you know that horrible feeling? And you're like, why did I say that? And now you, you can't put the cat back in the bag. What's said is said. And we wish we could just erase it. So what's going on in this situation is that Our partner's innocent suggestion reminded you of how your parents regularly got on your case whenever you made a mistake, making you feel like you weren't good enough, that you were defective or unlovable. So in this example, you're externalizing old feelings of feeling inadequate or unacceptable, and you're projecting them unreasonably onto your partner. So this whole exercise is protecting this exiled part, this really hurt, inadequate, unaccepted part of ourselves from feeling its original humiliation and sense of worthlessness. Something like this has definitely happened to me where Zaz will say to me maybe like, why are you stressing out so much about getting a podcast episode done? You do it the day before if you actually would just maybe plan and maybe batch create a few episodes in a row you won't always feel like you have to do one the day before and get all stressed out those old feelings of feeling like i wasn't good enough and i was unlovable and faulty then come online and i rage back at zaz and say you never prepare anything that you ever do. You are constantly always doing things at the last minute. Look at you. You're doing, you're just watching YouTube videos, right? Then at that moment, Zaz would go, whoa, and probably feel really hurt because he was actually just trying to give me a suggestion that would help me not feel so stressed as a loving partner, right? That is me externalizing my feelings of inadequacy and projecting them onto Zaz. My little part of me that felt inadequate and not good enough as a child was lashing out to protect me from that original pain, that original wound, right? This explosion at Zaz is kind of seen as acting out this old, undischarged rage that I had towards my parents by instead redirecting it at my partner. But if you're anything like me, every single time this happens, I am deeply regretting how much I've hurt my partner and 
how much emotional distance that I immediately put between the two of us and how exaggerated my reaction was. And in those instances, I probably won't even understand why in that moment, why I acted so like out of character and I couldn't help, like I couldn't help, but just say all of those things. It just like burst out of me. And I know so many of you can relate to this. This is again, one of my protective parts taking over, seeking to spare me somehow from this intolerable emotion that's starting to come up from an exiled part of me and the collateral damage that happens is immense. You can see exactly why these parts of us are trying to protect us as they did in childhood and instead in adulthood it's no longer working. It's actually causing more chaos in our relationships, more distance and less connection which is exactly the opposite of what people with BPD and CPTSD want. I could give you a million other examples from my life of how this has impacted me, but I think by now you can probably grasp how these intrusive, no longer effective, protective parts of ourselves, these young frozen protectors are interfering with both our personal and interpersonal well-being. They're sabotaging our life. They're disconnecting us from our inner conductor, our higher seat of consciousness, our integrity. And in these times, this is when our defensive emotions and our impulses overrule our self, our sense of self, our self with a big S. And that's when our thoughts and actions betray our integrity. These intruders, these disowned younger parts of ourself do not express our true self or the literal home of our integrity, our inner conductor, but they represent these behaviors that actually now as adults, they don't make any logical sense, but all the same, they do make a great deal of psychological sense once you can identify what these avoidant, escapist, or aggressive parts of you are trying to protect against. So right now, a lot of the things that you've done where you thought, I don't know what I was thinking, this should make a lot more sense now. You were not online. It was one of your rejected, disowned parts of you trying to protect you from the resurgence of this unreleased emotional pain from childhood. That's what it was. It wasn't you. Your inner conductor was lost in the mess of all of these different parts of you playing the ugliest and most disjointed out-of-tune song, and it is no wonder why they couldn't have their voice heard in that mess. And this, my friends, is why dedicating every single thing you have every waking moment right now to fully resurrecting and reconnecting with your inner conductor and transforming and soothing these well-intentioned but misguided rejected parts of ourself is the highest and noblest thing that you could ever undertake 
So many people, even people without personality disorders or complex trauma, never have the bravery or awareness to undertake this path, this hero's journey, this way of integrity. Once I started living my life with the intention of acting from the seat of my inner conductor, my life changed. I know what it means now to live in the way of integrity. And I hope that you can join me in this challenge. I hope that this episode has been so impactful for you. I put my whole heart into this to try to convey something that I feel like is one of the most important concepts of recovery from any mental health ailment, but particularly in this episode through the framework of BPD and CPTSD. But I think this episode is something everyone on earth could really benefit from because so many of us are not acting from our inner conductor. So many of us do things where we look back and say, I don't know who that was that said that thing or did that behavior. There's so much power when we can live in integrity, when we can look back and say, I wanted to react in that way, but I chose something different this time. Thank you so much for being with me today. I loved just taking a little comfy seat and tea with you and talking about integrity. It was so much fun and I hope it was a nice little break from all of the interviews that I've been doing. If you love these just individual solo episodes, I would love to hear some feedback. Like, please, 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 if you're on Apple Podcasts, write a review. Let me know what your favorite episode has been so far. Leave a comment on YouTube. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. Um, put a message in Discord if you're a Discord user. Please let me know what your favorite episode is. Let me know if you like the solo episodes more than the interview episodes. I'd love to hear some feedback because I never know unless I know, right? And your feedback is important to me. So I love to hear like what episodes have resonated with you the most? What ones like hit you? I would love to hear that because then I will do more of those types of things. So with that, I hope you have the most amazing week. I'm going to roll the outro, which has all the information in it. Until next time, have a fabulous week and let's start identifying with that inner conductor. Let's live this week in integrity. Have an amazing day. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it. For today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine and that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. 
To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.